0: Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. If you'd like more content like this, visit us on our website at www.surechurch.com. The following sermon was preached on the basis of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 to 22. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It's hard to believe that it's already been one year. (laughs) It's hard to believe that it's been one year worshiping, because it really seems like just yesterday that we were gathering a group of people for the very first time in Tallgrass Park in Brandon to to do a cookout and, and to meet each other, some of us. Uh, for the very first time. It it seems like just yesterday that that people were were bringing camping chairs into a bare apartment to have a Bible study for the first time. Or or it seems like just yesterday there was the the Christmas party or or Zoom Bible studies or worshipping at the the dance studio with with the exercise balls up near the top (laughs) Or we were doing training to to learn how to set all of this up. Or we were launching our our first worship service. It it just seems like yesterday, but look where we are now. We're here, (laughs) worshiping our God and experiencing his grace still a year later. Giving thanks to God for, for all of the wonderful blessings he's poured out on us as a congregation over the last year. But really, it's not all that surprising. Now, God didn't whisper in our ear how that first year was going to go. He he didn't write down on a sheet of paper the things that we'd experience in the first year, but but he did promise us something, as he always promises us. He promises promises us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in the kindness of, of Jesus Christ. He certainly hasn't promised us as a church that we're going to grow exponentially in numbers. He certainly hasn't promised us that, that one day we'll be in this gorgeous church building. He hasn't even promised us that we'll have a 25, 50, or 100-year anniversary, but, but what he has promised us is his grace. And so we're celebrating a year of his grace today, but, but we can celebrate that every day. And so we're going to look at God's grace today for us from... From Ephesians chapter two, you can ha- you can have it open in your worship folder i 'll make reference to it throughout, but i 'm not going to reread it here This is paul 's letter to to the Ephesians. so the Ephesians were a group of people that lived in the city of Ephesus, which is the southwest corner of what is today Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was a, a pretty important city at, at that time in history because it was a port city. Uh, this is where everybody would would stop on, on their travels in the Mediterranean. See there. And because it was this this kind of hub, there was a lot of people that that came there and then left, but there was a lot of people that that came there and stayed there. And so there was a a diverse makeup of the city of of Ephesus. For example, in the city of Ephesus, there was a synagogue where the Jewish people would gather together and they would read the Old Testament. In the same city, maybe not too far away from them was a temple to the pagan goddess Artemis of the Ephesians and so when Paul is writing his letter to the Ephesians he's writing his letter to people that have come out of both of those backgrounds and perhaps a whole host of other backgrounds so an incredibly diverse group of people they they had different strengths they had different weaknesses they had different struggles some of them didn't really have much similar to one another. But, as with all humanity, they did have some things in common, which, which Paul will talk about today. So, he, he starts by addressing the Gentiles specifically. And he's calling the Gentiles to remember a time in their past. Remember a time in their past when they didn't know Christ, and when they wouldn't have called themselves Christians. And so for some of these Ephesians, that really wasn't all that long ago that they didn't know Christ. And Paul describes what their spiritual state was at that time. Whether they felt that way or not is kind of out of the question. Paul's saying, here's your status before God at this point when you didn't know Christ, when you weren't Christians. And the words he uses to describe it are kind of bleak. He says, separated, excluded, foreigners, without hope, and without God in the world now paul's talking to the Gentiles, but th- these words didn't describe them because of their ethnicity or their backgrounds. These words described them because of their sin. Sin had separated them from God, sin had excluded them from. The kingdom of God and and left them without hope and without God in the world. Their sin had constructed this barrier between them and God. There was this wall there that they they couldn't go around and they couldn't go over. And although Paul is specifically talking to the Gentiles here, it's not just true for the Gentiles. It was true for the, the Jewish people as well. In fact, a Jewish person, when they would walk into the synagogue, were reminded always of the separation that existed between them and God. Because in the temple, how the temple was arranged was where the people would be and then there was a a big curtain, big thick curtain separating the people from the holy place, the most holy place, where where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God dwelt. And so every time a Jewish person would be in the temple, that this The separation between them and God was so obvious. It was separation between God and man, between the holy and the profane. And in another place in the Old Testament, this separation is put into words, the cause of this separation. Isaiah says this to the Jewish people. He says, But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So we found something that the Ephesians had in common. Whether they were Jew or Gentile, there was this wall, there was this barrier between God and man. But it's not just true for Jew and Gentile in Ephesian in Ephesus. It's true for all humanity. For for you and me. Since the fall, there has been a broken relationship between God and man. Sin broke this perfect world and has created this barrier between us and God. Put this wall between us and God that has left us separated from God, excluded from his kingdom, foreigners to his grace, and without hope, without God in the world. And in a lot of ways, we need to hear this. So it's good that scripture speaks about it. Because our pride won't allow us to think that our sin is that devastating, that that it's really that bad. And so we need to be told, our eyes need to be open to the fact that there is this chasm that exists between us and God. There is this wall, this barrier that, that separates us from God. But in other ways, we don't need to be told. Because there are plenty of times in our life where our guilt helps us to feel that separation between us and God. We couldn't feel more distant from God. At other times in our life, our shame has made that separation, made that wall even more visible for us. But Paul's next words are perhaps the most important. Because remember, Paul is calling the Gentiles to remember a time in their past. What they used to be, not what they now are. So, verse 13, look at that one. He says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ, you have been reconciled. To be reconciled means to be far away, once far away, but, but now you have been brought near. And so your sin had separated you from God, it it had left you far away, but now, because Christ has reconciled you, he has brought you near to God. That wall that existed between you and God, that barrier, has been torn down. It no longer exists, and it was torn down by the blood of Christ, Remember, the separation that existed was there because of our sin. What did the blood of Christ do? The blood of Christ paid for the sins of all people. And so it has taken you who were once far away and brought you near to him. And at Jesus' death, this was, this was very visible to the people in the temple there. Remember, we talked about that curtain That separation, that that thing that the Jewish people would see that that showed that they were separated from God, that there was a separation between the holy God and, and the profane human. The moment Jesus died, this thick curtain that separated them was torn in two. It was symbolic of what Jesus had done on the cross. He had removed the separation between God and man. He had brought man near to God once again. He had fixed the relationship that was broken. He has reconciled the world to himself in Christ. The picture, this picture of a wall is a great picture that Paul brings out. Because it makes it really easy for us to see what our sin does to our relationship with God. And on the other side, it makes it really easy to see what Jesus did for us. The construction of the wall, we can visualize. The deconstruction of the wall, we can visualize. But here's the thing. In Paul's letter, he's not even specifically talking about the barrier that exists between us and God. That that barrier exists, as we've already talked about. But the barrier that Paul is talking here, the, the wall of hostility that he's talking about here, is the ones that exist between people. These walls that, that we put up between us and, and someone else, he's speaking specifically here to the Jews and the Gentiles. Because these two groups had every reason to not get along. They, they were so different from one another. They came from such different backgrounds They couldn't even agree on the food that they ate. They ate vastly different foods. They came out of of just polar opposite backgrounds. But before the Jews became Christians, they they would practice Judaism. So they believed that you could keep some laws and and be holy in God's sight, that you could work your way to to heaven. On the other side, before some of these uh, Gentile people became Christians, they would go to, to the temple of the pagan goddess Artemis uh, who used promiscuity as a worship practice. These two people could not have been more different. They came from such different backgrounds. that They had different ethnicities. They had different things that would keep them apart. And You could see how maybe some of these differences would cause them to harbor hostility towards one another. And if you can't imagine that, Think about our world, because really not a whole lot has changed. There's people with all different kinds of backgrounds. There's people that are all different from us. They have different likes. They have different wants. And out in our world, there are more divisive issues, more divisive things than we would care to bring up or count. And sometimes those divisive things that take place out there, they make their way in here, that it's the devil's attempt to muddle the message of the gospel and to prevent you from hearing grace. So, each of these divisive issues has the potential to build walls between you and your fellow believer, between you and the person sitting next to you. The construction of those walls between you and fellow believers that brings a lot of distress, it brings a lot of anger and sadness. But the deconstruction of those walls, the tearing down of those walls, brings an immense joy. It brings peace and just a breath of fresh air, a big exhale, that there is peace between you and the people around you. It's hard to find a better example of the feelings of constructing a wall and deconstructing a wall um, a human example, that is, than the Berlin Wall. Some of you were around when this happened. Others of you have read about it in your history books. But the Berlin Wall was a wall that not only divided a city, but it divided neighbors from one another. It divided family members. It divided friends. People that used to be able to get together and hang out no longer could anymore. This was a division, a separation between people. For 28 years, this wall stood as a symbol of that hostility between groups of of people. But when it was torn down, some of you maybe even still remember the the joy that, that people felt when it was torn down. You can maybe picture the scene of people dancing on top of this wall because they were so joyful that now the wall has been torn down. Now we can get together with family and friends again. Now we can move about freely in our own city and if those are the feelings that go into a physical wall, being constructed and deconstructed, imagine the feelings of walls that, that exist between people, hostility that exists, exists between people being torn down by Jesus and, and by what he did for us on the cross. Paul very beautifully describes the deconstruction of the walls that we place between us and others here. He says, For he himself, talking about Jesus, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create for himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. What Jesus did on the cross reconciled both Jew and Gentile. It removed the barrier that existed between them and God. It reconciled God and man once again. But it not only reconciled God and man, it reconciled people to one another. It tore down that that wall of hostility. In a setting where our differences could divide people and drive people apart, the gospel brings people together. And it's about more than just uniting around a a similar cause. When the gospel works in people's hearts, it really works. It not only saves you and assures you of, of heaven, but it works in your heart understanding compassion, forgiveness, and love. And so a congregation is typically filled with with people of all different backgrounds. There there are things about you that are so different than the people sitting around you. There are things that that have the potential to put walls up between you. Whether you're you're young or or old, whether you're rich or poor, uh, whether you come from one background Or the other. We we have a lot of of differences, but but here's the thing Jesus has torn down all of those walls of of things that that would divide us. By Jesus' blood, He has united a body of of Christ, and the gospel that He preaches creates a gospel environment. It it tears down hostility, and in its place, it puts peace. And so, sitting in a congregation of, of people, you have a young person singing the same hymn as an older person. In In this congregation, you have a poor person singing the same hymn as a rich person. You have men joining in the same prayers as women. You have Democrats com- communing with Republicans. You have people of all different ethnicities that join together to praise God. We as a congregation are giving thanks to God for a year of doing just that, and it's only by Jesus that we can do that, because he can speak to us these words. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all the grace and blessings that you have given to Sure Foundation over the last year of worship. We thank you for making this a place of your gospel, where forgiveness is announced to sinners and a diverse group of people can join and give thanks for that. We ask that you continue to pour out your gospel blessings on this congregation, now and always nurture joy in our hearts and strengthen our faith make this a place of grace dear savior in whose name we all we pray amen